Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Friday. I hope that you have had the most amazing week. Listen, this has been a week. It has been a week, but I hope that you had a great one. I am so grateful to be back with you another week. And before we get too deep into the podcast, I want to welcome those who are listening for the first time. For whatever reason, you have stumbled upon this amazing podcast. I am Toy of Conversations with Toy. I've been podcasting for a few years now, and I enjoy doing it. See, the thing about this is that I'm not only just a podcaster, I'm also a blogger and a content creator. And so I have considered this a blog cast. It's a mix between blogging and podcasting and another avenue for me to use my voice um, for whatever purpose. And my purpose is to encourage those who are going through all kinds of mental health and wellness issues that you can still do anything in this life, no matter how many times you felt, no matter how many times you have fallen and fallen off the wagon, gotten back up, fallen off again, you can do any and all the things that people told you that you are not capable of doing. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it too. Now, most episodes do not need to have a trigger warning, but when I feel like there is need to have a trigger warning, I will always preface that. On this podcast, I talk about things that are happening on these internet streets. I talk about health and wellness. I talk about mental health. Um, and I bring guests on periodically to have conversations about their journeys. And let me be honest with you. A lot of people have said, now you bring journeys on here that doesn't align with things that I may have done. It's not supposed to. Um, when you are surrounding yourself in different areas of your life, you bring and you tap into other people who have done things differently than you because by doing things differently, you might be inspired to do something very much different for yourself. So anytime that I bring a guest, they don't always have to align with my with my thought process. They don't always have to. I like talking to different gamuts of people because I'm reaching different gamuts of people. And my uh, growing up in the church, I always understood a concept. If you won't hear the preacher, some people can hear the choir. And if you can't hear the choir, something even in the music could touch you. And if you can't hear the music, it could be just a greeting from an usher. There are a million and one ways to touch one life, right? And I'm here to touch as many as I can. So if you hear something on this podcast and it says, you know, it's just not your thing, not your cup of tea, come in with an open heart come in with an open heart and give your ear a listen and let your spirit take what's for you and leave what is not. That is what I do in my life on a regular basis. I apply that principle straight across the board. There are some things that are for me and there are some things that are not. And today we will be doing just that. However, before I bring in today's guest, because we do have a guest, um, one, I want to apologize for not having the podcast done last Friday. If you know, maybe you don't know, um, I was invited by Toyota as a collaboration with them and the Philadelphia Eagles 
to do the most amazing tailgating experience. It came with the two, um, it came with the Corolla Cross Hybrid XSE. It's an amazing, beautiful car. The color was phenomenal. Um, it's called Acidic Blast. It's almost like a mix between a yellow and a green, like the yellow and the green married with a little bit of a mirage and it just, it looks beautiful, right? So I was able to have the car. I test drove this car for over a week and I experienced my first NFL tailgating experience as well as the first um, NFL game. And seeing the Philadelphia um, play was an amazing, it was just amazingly beautiful to see. I had not ever been to an Eagles game and as an Eagles fan, my little heart was just bursting with joy. It was an emotive dynamic experience. I stayed at Live Casino, which is about a few blocks away from um where they, the Eagles played, the Lincoln Financial Field. And let me just say, from the time this collaboration started, even until the end of this collaboration, and we are going to do some things in the future, already working on some things, Toyota has my heart. Um, they've done a great job. The car that I drove, whether you like this style of car or not, they have many others. But what I will say, that Toyota car is absolutely comes with all the bells and whistles as far as keep this, keeping safety as a paramount. I'm not saying that because it's, it's sponsored or anything like that. I am telling you, I test drove the heck out of that car. I wanted to know if I got close to something with that car, bring me back. The answer is yes. If I went left or right and came off that road, would it let me know? The answer is yes. If you take your seatbelt off and you are in that seat, it's going to not stop beeping until that seatbelt is on. You would have to almost be a deranged killer to sit there and listen to that thing beep consistently fast it's not one of those little cutie beeps that it just beeps and goes about his way it's going to continuously beep if one of your kids is in the back of the car i've tested out this theory my daughter was getting out of the car and she was just going into high school i might not even been going two miles not even two miles per hour and that thing beeps consistently um to let me know that she had taken it out and it told me exactly which child, which chair out that taken their seatbelt had been taken off. So when it comes to safety, Toyota has got that on lock. So when we talk about let's go places, we go in places, but we go in there safely. Because if you do something in this car at this point, it's almost at the point where you ignored everything and just did what you wanted to do. Like you literally ignore, if there is a pedestrian sign coming, it's going to show right there on the screen there. And, and you ain't got to look to your left or your right. It's straight ahead. They want you looking at the road. So they put a lot of the, the bells and whistles right at your eye level. So there's no denying it. So again, I say, if you have a Toyota, especially a newer model, specifically a newer model, cause that's the one that I had. If you do something like hit a pedestrian, if you do something like don't stop at the light, you did all that because you chose to. It, it was at that point, it, it was a choice. So yes, I I would say I have um, not had a Toyota personally, but driving that Toyota has given my, my, my bells and whistles have been moving. I was very much impressed and my car, I manifested my own car um, by putting it on my own vision board, wanting that car, doing the research of it, and then finally was able to get it. And let me just say, I was impressed with my car, but I'm also impressed with Toyota. So um, I say all that to say, shameless plug, if you're looking for a new car, go ahead and test out the uh, Toyota car. Even if you get the Corolla, like even if you get the Corolla, it ain't the Corolla of the Corolla of your, of the nineties. It's not, it's not that it is definitely has come a long way. It's very much giving, go ahead and try it out. 
Um, but this is not going to be about the Toyota car, um, the whole episode. So it was just a great time. Thank you, Toyota. Thank you, Philadelphia Eagles, for having me and my husband. Listen, my husband is a diehard, born and raised on the playground is where he spent most of his days. Um, Philadelphia, Philadelphian, he was born here. And to see his excitement, his joy of going to that game, it was like watching a big kid just having the most fun. And, and it was just amazing to see. So we had a great time. Great time. Great. It was just great. Um, but this particular episode, our guest is not a trigger warning, but my conversation that we will talk before we bring on our guests could possibly be a trigger warning. So I give trigger warnings when, again, when I feel like there's anything that could be troubling to someone's spirit, like, and of course we know anything you could be talking about boiling rice and somebody might get triggered, right? We understand that because everybody, we can't, you know, we can't know everybody's triggers, but this particular conversation will take you there. And so therefore I'm giving you a trigger warning on this particular episode, give you opportunity to make a decision on what you want to do. Um, I also suggest because even though it's my podcast and I don't, I mean, I want you to listen, listen to it all the way through. Um, but I also believe in doing what's best for you. So do what is best for you. There is no way we are going to have this week's conversation and not talk about the Kerr Franklin documentary. We're just not. It, it, there's no way we would just bypass that. We're not going to skip over it. We're not going to jump past it. Every podcaster that I know that's worth their grain and salt are going to be talking about it. And it's okay. We're going to put our own splash and my own thoughts to it as well. Um, Kurt Franklin is one of the most renowned gospel artists of our time. And you can debate me all you want to, but as a PK, my mother was a choir director. I've been around music my entire life like my entire life. My father plays the drums. My mother is a choir director. My mother was also a soloist in choirs before she became a choir director. My mother also uh, grew around dance and theater. I have been in the music field for a long time. Kirk Franklin, with all of the ups and downs of his journeys, and we're talking musically, we he can go ahead and hold that title because he's done what he needs to do. Okay. And whether you agree with his style of music, because I remember back in the day when Kirk Franklin first came out, my pastor back in the day was just absolutely not. We are not singing Kirk Franklin songs. We ended up doing so. Uh, we couldn't sing like stomp or nothing like that because of the rap part and everybody was all up in arms at this day and age. It, it ain't even a big deal anymore. Um, but Franklin, regardless of how you feel about him as a person, as an artist, this particular conversation about his documentary is not something that we are going to bypass, like at all. You can find this documentary on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. I will have the link for you in the show notes because some of y'all have not seen it, have not heard it. So this is going to be also a spoiler alert. I, I feel at this point, it's all over the, the news. It's all on the radio. It's all over the places. So if you haven't heard, you're just going to have to get some spoiler points. But to be honest with you, to be honest with you, even with the spoiler points, you have to watch it for yourself. Like I, I am encouraging you to watch it, but I'm also prefacing that when you do, it can trigger all kinds of things. And let me just say this before everybody get deep in their spirit. I don't care that you have two parents that are your biological parents that was never like it is never a question if your parents were your parents and your parents were the best thing since sliced bread this will still trigger you it will trigger some point of you you will not be able to watch this you would actually have to be almost inhuman to be able to watch this without a tear in your eye I don't say that very much to everything and I'm telling you you're not going to be able to watch it without a, without crying 
It's an impossibility. I sat there having to put, and I'm going to try to do this without crying, but there are going to be moments where I, I just know my emotions are going to take over. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being vulnerable. It is what it is. But there were moments where I had to take a pause. Like, let me stop. Let me take a deep breath. Let me get me some cold water. And if you don't know, when you're having an most anxiety moment, a good glass of cold water will bring you back to yourself. I do this with my kids. If they're hollering or angry or very in their emotions, you just make them stop. You get a glass of cold, cold water. And I had to drink several cold glasses of cold water. This is a 36 minute, 36 minute documentary that could have been this could have been a series. Like I don't watch reality TV, but I could have watched this. This could have been a full series. They could turn this into a movie. Um, there's a lot of things you can do with this, but 36 minutes of my life turned into longer because I had to keep taking that, that, that glass of water. Right. So I am going to tell you now, this is going to be an episode that is going to make you think, um, and so in this documentary, Kurt Franklin, um, has not, was not raised by his mother. He was adopted and, um, doesn't have a, a strong relationship with his mother. And the man that he thought was his father had passed away several years ago and he didn't have a relationship with him as well. And he assumed that because his mother told him that this was his father and he hadn't even met this man until later on in life, um, and when he did meet this man years later, he then turned around and passed away at another funeral or at the funeral. One of the friends from the choir that he directs, um, saw a man that gave a strong resemblance of Kirk Franklin and told Kirk Franklin about it. And everybody started to talk about it and it got back. The man decided this is the man that looked like Kurt decided to swab himself because he began to hear the rumors. Now, I just want you to take five seconds to listen to that. This man had no idea that Kurt could or could not be his child, but heard the rumors and decided to step up and do what was right. We can't even get people to do right. And they know good damn well in their spirit, something that they've done is what it is, right? So this man, without even knowing if this was true or not, decided to step up and, and do what was right. Kirk went and got tested and it determined that this was his father. So it's, Kirk is in struggle and this pain because he's like, my mother lied to me again. I cannot believe she lied to me. You know, the pain of that and the betrayal of his mother, you know, them not having the most, you know, pleasant relationship, not being raised by her, not having access to his father discovers that at 53 years old, the man that he thought was his father is not his father. And this other man is now his father. So he addresses the mom and tries to talk to the aunt and they're just in denial. Okay. So fast forward to the point where now Kirk has the mother, his biological mother, his, we already knew from the first test, his biological father in the room and tested all three of them in the room. And it came out again, once again, that this was his biological father. One thing I will say about that man, which is his biological father was that when he found out he immediately apologized, even though, even though it wasn't even his fault, he had no idea that he had a son and he still yet apologized. Okay. And when they were all three in the room and discovered that they were the, that Kirk's father, once again, was the father. And he only agreed to do the test again because the mother rejected the first test, right? So everybody's in the room, they do the second test and they now know again that this is the father. Kirk father that we know now by the test said to him, listen, I will open my doors open. My heart is open. My life, my world is open to you and I will go at your pace. I, you know, I want to be a part of your life and all the things, right? He leaves the room. Now it's just Kirk, his mother, and his aunt. 
Now, let me just say something about Aunt Sandra. Aunt Sandra really pissed me off. Aunt Sandra pissed me off for a number of reasons. At one point when she comes out to the car, this is, I believe, at the first testing, she's like, get your ass out the car, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know if if we need to have a, a, a community meeting with the elders, but one thing I am very clear on, and this is just for me, I'm not speaking for the congregation, I'm speaking for myself. There's no way in the world, if you speak to me and you come off, even with a cuss word, even if you're not cussing at me and you cuss in my presence, I'm going to take, I'm going to allow you to take me there. Now now I've gotten better at that, right? Back in my twenties, back in my twenties and my late twenties, early twenties and my late twenties. If you address me with a cuss word, you can best believe you get an address back. I, I don't honestly care how old you are. I don't care what, uh, family member title you have. I've tested this theory. It's been tested and proven for me. I'm not saying things just because it sounds cute and I'm buff hitting my chest and talking about something just because it sounds good. I am telling you, I've been in a situation with aunts and I've had them say something and it has not gone in the favor by which they thought it was going to go. I am not one of those believers that believes that because of your age and stage that I just will allow you any level of a line of disrespect. So when she did that, that triggered me because I was like, Lord, Ooh, First of all, I said, God, I thank you for your grace because I remember if somebody would have approached me and has approached me in that way and in those manners, um, and sometimes not even with a cuss word, just off the, the, if you start yelling, my propensity to just sit there and just like eat that doesn't always exist. God is still working on me. And so I've had the situation happen. I'm telling you what I know, right? I'm telling you what I know. Um, and it was from that situation that actually opened up a big door for therapy. I'm grateful for that, but I'm telling you just because I've been to therapy don't mean I don't know that, that I don't know that road. So I try my best to stay away from those types of folks that I know that have a uh, possibility of triggering me because I just want to stay right. But I've been in Curtis Franklin's position where an aunt, a family member, somebody uh, was a habitual line stepper and overstepped. I, I didn't handle that well. Kirk is a genius. Like Kirk is blessed on that man because I saw him doing everything he could to hold it, to hold himself together because I just know I, 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 I failed that test many a day. Right. And so the aunt is just reckless. Like the aunt needed to be checked 20 going North. And again, I thank God for grace. I have to keep saying that I have the word of the day is going to be grace because I'm telling you she need to get got, but I digress. Um, the mother was adamant that she didn't care what the test said. She was going down, as she said, on her mother's grave, her dead mother's grave, that this was not Kirk's friend, Kirk's um, father. Kirk made it up in his mind and verbally said, if you can't give me this, I'm done. There's a few lessons that I want to bring up. One, your age and stage does not allow you to be disrespectful. I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it for quite some time. That's number one. Number two, I get in a way that there has to be some level of something going on with his mom, that she is holding on to the story so strong. I don't know what happened with her. I can't speak on her story. I have a, a lot of theories, but those theories don't make, it doesn't make or break anything. What I do know is this. I get mothers, fathers, people in general wanting to hold stories because when you are, when you're honest about a story, and especially in a story that you've been the participant in, you are open and raw. And she's not ready to be that. 
right? I know that from therapy, right? But I had to give her the, I had to give her the business. I'm sorry. Like if you were on my personal Facebook page, you had to see it and it is what it is. Because, and I stand and listen, I ain't going to take it back because I stand on that, right? I stand on everything that I said and it's 1000% true. The other side of that is that she's not in a place to be okay with being vulnerable. She's not in a place where she can be honest because in her honesty, she would have to let go of this thought process of what she believes to have happened. And we know that that's not the case. I want to give her grace. I'm praying that God will equip me to give her grace. But you know what's beautiful about that? I don't have to give her grace because she's not my mama, right? She's not my mom, but she is the mom of so many other people. There are many of parents. There are many of moms. There are many of fathers. What this triggered in me, if you've listened to a few episodes, I've talked about my journey of finding um, my biological father. I have never laid my eyes on him. Um, I've seen members of his family, which is, is also my family. Um, there has never been a DNA test to determine that that is my father. I only can go by what my mother has said, um, about this being my father. I know that he resembles so much of my sister. Um, I'm a twin, but my twin looks more like this side of the family. Um, I have spoken to my biological father's sister. I have spoken to his brother. I have spoken to his other children. I have, uh, another set of twins, one, a boy and a girl twin. Unfortunately, the boy twin has passed and I have been in communication with the girl twin. So I've been in communication with a lot of people, a lot of the moving people around him, but I have not spoken to him ever. I have not seen this man. Couldn't, I could ID him because I do know what he looks. I do know what he looks like. I just have never seen him. And I don't know after watching this documentary, if I want to have that happen, if I can't even hold it together for Kirk Franklin, I don't know what that would do for me. And when I was younger, like I have an amazing stepfather. So let me just say, I am not without covering. Sorry, I'm not without covering. I have an amazing stepfather who stepped up and did all the things as best as he could. And even though I don't always have agreed, like there's a large parts of things that I just did not agree with my upbringing. It's no secret. I don't make a secret of it. I do respect him for what he has done. And even so my stepfather, and I only am calling him stepfather just for the purpose of knowing which one I'm talking about. Cause I've never called him stepfather ever to his face. That's just not something that I would do. That man has raised me since I was five years old. He deserves the title of father. Um, but even with having him in my life, there is still yet a void at points. And I say at points because it doesn't bother me all the time. There's just certain points in my life that I've had it where it's bothered me, but my stepfather has been the most upstanding man. And I will never let anybody on the planet take that from him where he has encouraged me. And he said, you know, if you need help, I will help you find him. Now, interesting enough, I don't really have to do that much work. And honestly, if I pushed even for five seconds, I could, I could get a hold of him. I think the part of me is scared to get a hold of him because from the things that I've gathered from him, and it's one thing to gather, like if my mom was bashing my father, it'd be one thing, but that's not been the case. But there's another thing to talk to the people who are in his family, like, which is technically mine to talk to them. And then they say things and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that because I, I, the result that I'm looking for, like the little girl in me would hope that I would find him and he would say, I've always wanted to be with you. I've always wanted to have this relationship with you. I've always wanted to have this, but it just didn't happen for whatever reason, right? 
that is the what the little girl in me would desire, especially when I was younger, right? When I was younger, I used to make up my own stories about what he looked like and what he was doing and who he was. And as I gotten older, and again, in the last few years since I've had my own kids, it's been very apparent for me to figure out the whole wholeness of my life. Um, because as a mother, I have to be able to be whole to parent my own kids. And I've been on this journey to make the things that I've done that I've contributed to my own life right. It's been in my journey to say and go back to the things that I've said, even those aunts that I've had to habitually, like habitually overset their line. I stand 100% on what I've said. I've said that to them. I've made that very clear, but I've also have apologized for the, for the presentation of what was said. Right. Um, but I don't take back what I said. I just stand on how I said it. And I always am in this journey to make things right. But when it comes to my biological father, it's a whole, it's a, it's a, it's a very sensitive hole for me. And so there are going to be many people who, again, who have their, their biological father, they have their biological mother, they have all of these different things that may not, it, it still bothered them. Like there are certain parts of your journey in your life that may be open to when you watch this story. But the little girl in me, when I was watching Kirk's anger, when I was watching his pain, it bothered me. It bothered me. And so I'm and when you when something bothers you, you're gonna keep talking about it. So I'm, that's why I'm gonna get this episode out and done because I wanna get past it and talk to my therapist and get past this moment. But what I'm telling you is is that even for me, even for me who has the tools, it still bothered me. There were some things that were just revealed and it pricked me. It pricked me to the point where I was just like, Lord, I need you to help me. Like I need you to help me to get past this pain of had not wondering why, you know, even like Kirk said, you want to know why you weren't good enough. Like, what was it about me? I've learned from, again, the conversations that I've had with his sisters, the conversations that I've had with his children, his other children, the conversations I've had with his siblings, nobody dogged him, but they were, they were honest. And a lot of the things that were revealed is that none of these things were my fault. And that at the end of the day, I honestly believe that he has to answer to God for a lot of things. And the man that he has portrayed himself to be, isn't the man that I would want in my life, but yet, and still as a, as the little girl in me would still just want to know. And I'm not sure when, or if I'm going to close that chapter. I know I'm on borrowed time because people are not living as long as they once did. He's already, I think, I think he's like 10 years older than my mother. And I just don't know if I'll ever get to that point. I think the, and I, my, I think the scariest part, and I'm working through this is that I don't want this chapter to close before I've had the, the, before I've had the opportunity to say that I fully closed it. That's my fear that it's going to come down to where I'll get a call and say, blah, blah, blah has happened. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity to close it. So if you're listening to this podcast, this particular part, before we get into our beautiful guest, and you watch this documentary, the one thing I can suggest for you is to find yourself a therapist. I get it. Everybody is not prone to go to therapy, right? And some people don't think that it works. But if you find yourself irritated, angry, hurt, or you feel pain after watching Kirk's story because Kirk Franklin's story is our story. I have tickets to go see his concert. Actually, I have concert tickets to see his concert. And I think next week, next week or the week after, no, next week. 
watching this documentary is going to bring a lot of the songs that he has had very much, very much to a full circle. Um, I listened to Turn Your Neighbor um, podcast. It's a Christian um, podcast. And one of my friends, Gary Abdullah, he is one of the co-hosts of that show. Um, Clifton is also the other host. And um, I know Gary well. We knew each other before I even went to Penn State. And then we went to Penn State together. Um, the one of the things that he reminded me of was listening to the song, the album hero and going to the first interlude where Fred Hammond sings the song about basically like not having a father. And I heard it a thousand one times. And even when I've heard that song silently, like on its own, I was like, my God, the words, right? Cause again, these triggers happened in my life. So many different times I've been wondering like, why, what if I wonder if, you know, but when I watched it and I listened to the song again after listening to that podcast, it made more sense. So that is my trigger warning to you. I do encourage you to watch it. I think there's some there, there's some healing that could happen, but it's going it could possibly open a wound. So that is the trigger warning that it could possibly open that wound. Um, but the 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 documentary being thirty six minutes was. One of the most powerful things I, I will say this, Kurt Franklin has ministered in song. Like people didn't like him when he was doing stomp, right? Oh, this is like Christian rap. That's like a whole big thing. This is a no, no, God is not pleased. All these different things. And if you grew up in the church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But what I will say about this, Kurt Franklin and his pen, his penmanship, you know, Fred Hammond is in my opinion, has always been one of those writers um, who is almost like the, our, our, are very now time David back in the Bible days. I'm not giving y'all, this is not a Christian uh, podcast, but I know my, I know what I'm talking about. You know, back in the day, day David in the Bible was considered, you know, um, a harpist. He was like, he, he was like the ministry of music. Like he, his heart was like close to God. And so Fred Hammond to me as a, as an artist was almost like the Psalm psalmist of our time. Like he can write songs that speak to your spirit when you're in the darkest moments. Right. I have certain songs. I listen to Fred Hammond if I'm having a mad moment, but there are some songs on Kurt Franklin that will do the same thing. And I say that because now when you go back and you listen, you can hear that he was literally putting his pain and what he was feeling from his heart back to God, to our ears. So even if you're not a Kurt Franklin friend, even if you never grew up in a church, even if you don't believe in God, even if you have all these different things, I am telling you to go back and listen to Kurt Franklin documentary on YouTube called Father's Day. That is also the name of the album. And I'm sure that that will come out into play in this concert. I look forward to going to the concert even more now next week because I'm going to be able to put two and two together and I'm bringing tissues just right off the bat. I'm just telling that right now. So, um, but um, listen to that. Listen to that documentary. Watch the documentary. It will bless you in a way. It will hurt. It will bring up some things, but it will bless you. And it is a trigger warning. Um, Aunt Sandra, she needs a good guy. Like I, I, I it, it, it took everything out of me not to choke her in the middle of my TV screen. Like in my mind, I thought I could go through there, knock her out, come back, and you know, it would be everything would be good. But obviously, that didn't happen because I'm still here and I'm not in jail. Praise be. Um, so. That's all I can say about that, but it's, it's a trigger warning for you, but I suggest you go ahead and watch it, get your tissues, be prepared. Um, I seen grown men talk about how they were in work crying in bathroom stalls after watching that the ministry that Kerr Franklin is going to hopefully be able to have through this healing journey for him is going to be 
beyond because if he never sang another song and that documentary was the last thing that he ever put out, he would have done what he was supposed to do, right? He would have done what he was supposed to do. So watch the documentary. Let's get into this guest because we do have one. It's going to be amazing. All right. So let's switch some gears, guys. Let's switch a couple of gears. We have Athena Monet. She is an author, a gifted intuitive healer, and a spiritual guide. Born into a lineage of remarkable women, Athena inherited the extraordinary gifts of clarity from her family. Fueled by a deep curiosity and thirst for knowledge, Athena immersed herself in the realms of art, interior architecture, and diverse spiritual disciplines during her studies at the Ohio State University. Shout out to Ohio State because I'm from Ohio, born and raised in Youngstown. She explored the realms of yoga, astrology, philosophy, Buddhism, and anthropology, almost completing a minor in anthropology, a path that would shape her understanding of human experiences and cultures. After spending a decade working at prominent commercial architecture firms in Washington, D.C., Athena felt a calling to break free from her corporate world. Following her heart's desire, she ventured into a tranquil coastal town seeking solace and a new beginning. It was in this unfamiliar place surrounded by strangers that tragedy struck on Christmas Day. She experienced the loss of her beloved mother. Overwhelmed by grief and loneliness, Athena's pain manifested into mysterious illnesses and chronic gastroenteritis. Uh, distress, leaving her searching for answers and relief when conventional medicine failed her. But just like life in a faithful turn of events, a friend recommended that Athena seek the guidance of a local medicine woman. And little did she know that this encounter would bring about a miraculous healing and transform her life forever. The profound experience with her shaman marked a turning point, granting Athena permission to embrace her true self fully and to courageously share the essential gifts that had cursed of course, through her bloodline for generation. Athena continues to walk her sacred path, guided by the ancestral wisdom that flows through her being. And her mission statement is this, that she is dedicated to illuminating the path of personal transformation and spiritual awakening. One thing I can appreciate about this conversation is that if you listen, there's always a nugget of wisdom. I always believe that. I don't care what you're talking, who you're talking to, what you're talking about. If you listen and your heart is open, you will hear and be able to receive what is for you. Athena is an amazing woman and her story is remarkable. You know, how many of us can go through grief and grief that turns into um, sicknesses and sickness that and then brings you through a journey. And then you lose your husband in the midst of that you divorce and you go through these different changes. Athena has been through it. But one thing Athena is very much guided on is taking those pains, taking those hurts and turning it around for the good. And if you believe in that, this episode will be resonation for you. And what beautiful way to take Kurt Franklin's story and his triumphs put it with Athena's amazing wisdom and this episode would be um, just about as outstanding as it can get. So without any further ado, Athena, thank you for joining Conversations with Toy and let's get into this episode. All right, Conversations with Toy family. You know, I love when we have guests because we get to hear different perspectives, not just me. And I love that because we learn and we hear from other people's stories. And oftentimes when we hear other people's stories, we get inspiration. That inspiration can just charge into so many different areas of our lives. And so I'm super grateful today. We have Athena with us and we are going to talk about who she is, 
what she does. How does she get there and all everything in between? So if you're listening and you're doing something where you're working out and all this stuff, continue doing what you're doing. But for those who are relaxing, go ahead and get yourself a glass of water, uh, your favorite glass of tea, whatever you need. And just get comfortable. And Athena, thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. So I want to talk, there was to you about, there was a pivotal situation that happened for you. Um, just like a lot of us, something negative or something crazy, something out of the box happened yeah. and it helps you to get to your purpose. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So a lot of times I say what I do now is helping women to turn their breakdowns into breakthroughs because we get into those moments where it feels like literally everything is breaking down in our life and our life is ending because in a sense it actually is ending. But in those moments, we're breaking through to a new life, a new version of ourselves, um, new everything. Right. And so for me, um, my breakdown moment was when I had decided, I had already decided for the most part to leave the city, move to the beach, um, to leave behind my work in architecture. And I arrived at the beach and within three months, I was, I was actually pregnant, like within weeks of arriving, ended up pregnant with my third child. But within three months, my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. I lost two more family members three months after that, had my daughter, and then my marriage started to kind of unravel. And all at that point, I became very sick, like physically ill. I was so certain that I had cancer because that was what I had lost my mommy to. And I'm like, I'm sure that she had colon cancer. I'm like, I'm having gastrointestinal issues. It was almost a year. Um, it was just over seven months and a little bit extra that I was vomiting every day, having severe um, gastro pain, just like all kinds of weird symptoms and in and out of the hospital, in and out of the ER, up and down the state doing different testing, trying to breastfeed a child. Mm. It reached that point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to check out. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm tired. My body hurts. I'm sick. I can't eat food. And I feel very alone in this world. I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, so I remember having very clear thoughts about being ready for my life to end. And a neighbor said to me, maybe you should check out this shaman. And she had mentioned her before when I was sick. And usually with shamans, we might hear about them, but it'll take us some months to actually go and, 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 you know, break through and even see what is this person. If you haven't seen a shaman before can be scary or it can sound kind of far out. Like it's not going to do anything for you, but normally desperation is what takes us to a shaman. That's definitely what took me to my first shaman. And so I go in this lady gets me on her table, does this whole session. She's doing, you know, some energy work over me. I've never experienced anything like that. Shaking my legs, you know, things that I was like, well, this is kind of weird. And she turns me over, looks me in my eyes. And she says to me, what are you sad about? And I was like, oh, uh, well, you know, I'm sad about my mom. And she was like, oh, and she was like, well, she's right here. And she started to channel to me messages from her 
um, things that she couldn't have possibly known. And so I knew, I was like, all right, this lady's for real. And she said to me, if you don't grieve, it's going to become cancer. You have to grieve. So uh, we had an incredible first session. She also pointed out to me, like, what do you want to do, you know, for a job? What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to do architecture anymore. I don't know. I don't really love being at home with my kids, you know, maybe part-time, but not full-time. And I guess I'll just teach yoga. I was teaching some yoga at that point. I'm like, I really don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, well, you have these gifts that you're not using. You could be a shaman. And so I said, interesting. And I left that day just thinking that she says that to everyone. You know, I was like, oh, she probably tells everybody they should they should be a shaman. And I went home and I didn't know how to grieve because I forgot to ask her. I forgot to ask her, how do I grieve? So I sat down in prayer and I just prayed and I was like, you know, God, how do I grieve? And I heard in my head, write mommy a letter. So that first night, like this, the same night that I saw the shaman, I wrote the first letter to, to my mom. And the next day when I woke up, I was totally fine. Like healed, like no pain, no vomiting. I was still scared to eat because every time I would eat, I would, I would get sick. Get sick right. Um, so I was still a little bit like, oh, do I just stick with the grapes and rice? Cause that was pretty much what I was living on was like, ensure grace, grapes and rice. Um, so it took me a few days to get comfortable with eating again, but every day I would just write, a, write a little bit more to her to make sure the sickness didn't come back. Um, and it never came back. You know, it's been, it's been, uh, almost eight years now. And I've been healthy, no issues, never came back. And my writings, I ended up putting together into what later became, because I also chronicled the ending of my marriage and the tools that helped me, the um, challenges that I faced, you know, the, um, the mental, emotional, spiritual challenges that I faced. I chronicled all of that along with client stories because I did end up becoming a shaman and put that into my book leave with love well that makes sense that you you know stepped into that purpose because you probably were like if some people were listening to this you're like scared to make that initial step because you're thinking there's no possible way that this one little thing is going to be the fix or this is going to be the actual thing that i need how was it to you know recognize okay the shaman told you to do this you're doing it it's starting to you know bring healing into your body and then to take that step from there to then say, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and, and walk into this. Like what, how was that feeling inside of you when you decided to go from point A to point B? Cause in between there's a thousand and one things that are probably going on in your head. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot in between. So I, I was very skeptical. Um, like, I think even today as a shaman, I pride myself in carrying a healthy amount of skepticism about the unseen. Um, but at the time, she was the first shaman I'd ever met. And it wasn't more than a couple of weeks later, I went into my therapist's office, who I'd been seeing for over a year. And I looked down beside me on her table where she always had like books and little trinkets and things. And there was a book on shamanism hmm. and I was like, and I looked at it and then I looked at her and I looked back at the book and I was like, wait a second. I was like, has that book always been here? And she said, no, you know, I switch them out sometimes. And she asked me why. And I said, well, I just met a shaman. 
And she's like, really? So we talked about it. I told her what the shaman said, how the shaman, you know, how I was bet she knew I was better. And I said, the shaman told me that I should consider a shaman training. And my therapist looked at me and she said, I think you should. And I was like, okay. Uh, I wasn't really expecting her to say that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> right. So um, fast forward, probably like another month later, I'm still on the fence about it. And because there's a time commitment, a money commitment, it's, it's, it's a commitment. And I go to Ohio to visit family and visit an old friend. And my friend is like, hey, you know, I have been wanting you to be my cousin for years every time you come here and you guys, it never works out. But she's here. She's in town right now. She just moved back. And maybe you can go visit her in her office. And I'm like, sure. Now I'm thinking, I had just gotten into crystals. So my friend thought, oh, you're into crystals. She's into crystals. Maybe she has some crystals for you to see. So I go to her office and she's a shaman. So she ends up talking to me about how I had all these ancestors around me. And then she's asking me how far I am on my, um, like certain attunements and things, you know, on my path. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Like, not on any path. Right. Not path. New. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, wait a second. She's like, you haven't trained in like Reiki, shamanism, nothing. I'm like, no, nothing. And she's like, yeah, you're being called down that path. And so at that point, that was the third time. So I, I work in three. So I I was able to hear it return back to the beach in Delaware. And I said, all right, I'm going to sign up for um, this shaman training. So I did. I signed up for it. And I signed up for it thinking maybe it'll help my yoga practice. You know, maybe it'll um, help open me up that I could be a better yoga instructor. Because at the time, that's what I was doing. And I didn't think... I would do anything more with it. But, you know, God, universe, whatever we choose to believe had other plans for me. And mm -hmm. so as soon as I was done, uh, the yoga studio owner came to me and said, hey, didn't you just finish a training? I said, yeah. And she's like, I have this room that if you want to use it and just try to see if anybody's interested in what you're offering, you can have the room and just give me a small percentage of what people pay you. Right. And I said, well, I guess, I guess since you're offering, I'll try it. I don't think anybody's going to come in or want that. I don't know. Um, I never had a choice or a chance to really think about it. It just took off from that point people would come in and then it just exponentially grew from one to three to five to several hundred. So how has your family and the people around you have been receptive to your, um, to your change and to what you're doing? How's that been? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a heavy question. Um, so I wasn't divorced yet. <laughs> okay. And, um, I actually just had this conversation yesterday. So it's funny that you ask. I, um, my ex-husband and I had known each other since we were very young, since we were in middle school, we'd basically grown up together. And I'd always been a little into the esoteric and the metaphysical, but we were artists and I'd done architecture and, 
you know, I read tarot cards for fun for family, but nothing more than that. Um, so I took the leap into, I think I want to be a shaman, right? And I started having all these wild dreams and seeing things and I would share it with him. And, you know, I think he started to feel a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> you know, she's lost her mind. Um, and his family as well were kind of uncertain about some of the things that I was learning and opening up to and my mindsets. And at the same time, I was awakening to understand that I didn't have to operate in that traditional mother's role in the home with the children or even the professional corporate role that I had previously operated from and that I could explore freely who I wanted to be and how I wanted to live. I started to feel very clear that my husband and I were not in alignment and that it wasn't a healthy environment for myself, maybe not for him either, um, that we had outgrown each other. And so um, it was in the midst of all of that that we ended up separating, divorcing. Um, when I came out of the shaman the shaman closet, as I call it, and put up a website, because I was super reluctant to put up a website even in the beginning. Some people, they start a business, they're like, like right on website i'm getting a business license right i was like well i need a license for legality purposes but i'm not gonna put up a website because i don't want people to know like i don't right. want people to know uh i i mostly didn't want my family to know i did not want my family my family a lot of my family um is christian or even jehovah's witness so i i come from a family of more traditional um christian mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And so for me, but the the odd thing is the women in my family, it's a known thing that we see things, hear things, feel things. It's a known thing. But right. it's one of the things that we only speak of kind of under the guise of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I felt very uncomfortable to come out and expose myself and my gifts publicly and also to potentially lose that connection with my family or be judged by my family. Um, and I would say there was a healthy amount of fear of what my husband would, you know, do with that, you know, with me coming out and, and that fear definitely manifested, you know, we, this year we're going through, and I don't tell a lot of people this, but we're going through a custody battle when he's questioning my mental health and all the things. It's wild. And I'm like, I've had my brain mapped. I see a therapist. Everybody tells me that, you know, I'm not crazy. Um, but he certainly believes that I am. And I'm so sure, I'm sure that is heavy on you because God knows as a mom, um, you know, the one thing we would never want to have happen is to have our kids um, be taken from us. I know even when I started therapy, one of the things that um, happened during my time, just trying to get my mental health together was, and my, I'll say a family member uh, was trying to use therapy against me saying that I wouldn't be um, suitable to take care of my kids. And I'm like, yeah, 
where is this coming from? But we know that every attack, there's always an attack somewhere. So yeah. <laughs> you already know that um, mm -hmm. when you're trying to do something with your, you know, trying to go a different path and do what you need to do. Um, yes. so yeah. A hundred percent. So I've been reassured again and again by the God that I believe in um, that, you know, all will be well and that me and the children are protected and that it's okay for me to put myself out there and that even though I'm operating outside of traditional religion, I'm still serving the same God that Christians are serving or um, I have clients that are Jewish, you know, people from all backgrounds, everyone who is serving God, they're all serving the same God. There's one and it doesn't matter your religion. And so I did, I made a conscious choice to make that my work. That service is my work to help others who are in need of God's help, support, reassurance, love, healing. Whatever. Now, when you say that you're helping people, helping women, you know, get through their breakthroughs, their breakthroughs that you're saying get to their breakthrough. Yes. Um, what are some of the things that you notice off the bat? Like just, and, and maybe not every client is the same, but just some general things that you notice. Yeah. So right off the bat, self-doubt, self-doubt. Um, so, so many of us have been gaslit. That's a big buzzword right now, right? Gaslit. Um, we could also call it invalidated in our feelings, in our experiences, and what we see, what we sense from the beginning since we were children. And then it just goes on and on and on for women very heavily so, but also for men. Um, so we find that that invalidation occurring first, maybe as children with our parents, when I, I could say as a kid, if you say, oh, why are you sad to a parent? And the parent's like, I'm not sad. And you're like, but I, but I can tell like as a child, you're like, I know you said, and the parents like, I'm not, I'm fine. You know, that, that's when it starts. It starts small and then it grows. And then you grow into relationships. You marry someone who's dishonest about their feelings because maybe they weren't given safe space to be honest about their feelings. So now they can't be honest with you about their feelings or their needs, or they don't even have the self-awareness because they weren't given the space to be self-aware. Um, so now we find ourselves, and a lot of the women I work with are thirties, forties, fifties, you know, um, and they're finding themselves in these situations, whether it's professional, romantic, financial, where they have a sense about certain things, but no real three dimensional evidence of it. And they're doubting themselves. Um, so shamans are also traditionally recognized as faith-based healers. So I like to say that faith, you know, that's that trusting in the unseen before it manifests, before we see it. So women come to me when they're in need of a little help with faith, a little help with trust, when they're doubting themselves, they have a feeling that what they're going through is poor, they're good, or they're not, they're disconnected from that. And they need someone to hold them. It's like a birth where you need somebody to help you to give birth to the new self, right? To break through and give birth to your, your new self, your new job, your new work, your new home, your new, just your new life. It's super scary. Um, so self-doubt, fear, right? I see a lot of fear where, again, they're feeling it inside of themselves. They know, we know what's right for us and what we want to do deep inside, but fear can place such a cloud of judgment over top of us. Um, so I help women to work through fear when they're feeling like 
you know, nobody's supporting me. I'm all alone in this. There's no evidence that this is going to work out. What if it doesn't? What if I fail? You know, all the thing, all the what if, the negative what ifs. Um, so yeah, that's kind of two, but I feel like a lot of times those are the two things I see right up front, the self-doubt and the fear. Uh-oh. What are some of the ways in which you, you know, you see this fear, you see the self-doubt. What is one way that you try to assure or ensure or reassure your clients that, you know, they can get through this and pass this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I do have the, I guess what some call gift of sight. So a lot of times I can have a pretty good sense of, I can see how things could play out. Um, I don't identify as psychic because I tell people that you're the creator. So in any given moment, I might see the map of how things could play out and which direction you're heading in, but you could totally reorient yourself and that could become um, just an alternate future plan that you didn't choose. So what I do is I will um, help my clients with first visualizing the outcome that they want, right? Like aligning themselves, reorienting themselves with the outcome that they actually want, not the one that they don't want. Because when we're so focused on our fear and our doubt and the what ifs, we're, um, I say a lot of times to my clients, I'm like, do not settle, <laughs> do not settle until you get the thing that you wanted. Then if you decide you want something different, that's fine. But if you settle, it's because you didn't believe you were going to get there. You didn't believe you were going to get that, that man that you wanted um, or that job you wanted or that house you want. You didn't believe it. So you settled. Um, but I encourage my clients not to settle, to lock their sight in on what it is that they want and move in that direction and helping them to visualize it to, we do a lot of shamanic journey where we actually close our eyes, go into a meditative trance-like state and actually see ourselves in that future that we desire. We script and we write it out. We speak it out and we share, we process through the doubts and the fears. And then we keep coming back again and again, almost like training our brains, right? To believe that I am moving in the direction of what I want. So that's, that's definitely something that we, um, that we do that I have found with many clients works very successfully is locking the vision agreeing not to settle uh sometimes we come up with a practical plan like in that we actually write out a practical plan you know i love magic but sometimes we need a practical plan to um supplement the magic right or vice versa the magic supplements the plan and i tell people all the time I'm like listen god universe whatever you believe in is here with you co-creating that reality, but you gotta do something. So if you take like, just go like 25% in the direction, 25% of effort, and God's gonna meet you and carry you the rest of the way. But you have to put yourself in that direction first. Absolutely. How do you take care of you if you if you're if you're helping people get through breakthroughs and they have all the things that they're bringing into you and you're doing energy work and you're doing all these different levels of healing and just different things that you're doing with other people. What do you do to make sure you're okay? Because you're extending energy out. So you would have to some way replenish. How do you take care of you? Yeah, there's a lot of things I do to take care of me. Um, 
one of the biggest things I love sleep. I love sleep. I love my bed. It's so comfortable. And I'm like so selective about the fabrics on my bed. So I have a good mix of organic fabrics, linens, satins. Um, my bed's a little retreat in itself. So I give myself grace and permission for rest when I need it. Right. So there will be that voice that says, you need to get up. You need to do stuff. You need to work. You need to clean your house. You know, you need to should have all these things. And, and I step outside of that voice and I say, no, like this woman has, I also have five kids right in my house and two dogs. (laughs) Some time too to just relax and rest. So I'm like, I, this woman here, me laying in this bed needs this rest to restore herself, recharge her batteries. Um, So sleep and rest is huge. I spend a lot of time in nature. I live in the woods on the water. That was my thing. I was like, I need to live in the woods on the water. No compromise, not settling for anything different. I have that. So I am able to walk to the beach every day, spend long time, like long walks, spend time in nature, meditating, also be inside of the trees. Um, That's something that I do every single day to recharge myself, reconnect, center, clear my energy because I pick up a lot as well um and then i do fun little things like i love beauty practices you know like trying to keep myself beautiful so um self-care days where i'm literally doing face masks um deep conditioning my hair polishing my fingernails you know dry brushing my skin things like this i go to the deprivation tank to salt float um i was actually yesterday at a hyperbaric oxygen chamber So I actually sat inside of a hyperbaric oxygen chamber for an hour, getting fresh, clean air pumped into my body, um, oxygenating my blood cells, helping my circulation out. Also, it was was just super relaxing and quiet because my house is pretty noisy. (laughs) So I I already understand that um, so much. Yeah, Um, I'm glad that I, I love that you gave out of the box answers because sometimes we think that we have to do the traditional things but I love hearing like such like I I love hearing about these different options because I'm always doing something new and everybody's like why are you doing all this extra stuff and I'm like it's something different it's like something you get to learn about yourself and you get to learn your likes and your dislikes and if you try it once and you don't like it you don't got to try it again but at least you did exactly I try all the things I do all the things so if someone is listening and they're saying to my to themselves, you know, I resonate with what she's saying. I want to know more. Yeah. How would they be able to find you to get more information or to connect in any way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually have, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think. I have two websites. I've just launched my soul medicine program this summer. I've been doing the program for about six years. Started in person with COVID. It went online. And it's just grown. It's a small membership program where like-minded women, so women that are trying to keep their vibes up and manifest their best lives, we come together, we do deep healing work because a lot of times there's some deep stuff that's getting in the way of us manifesting what we want or attracting in the relationship we want. We got to heal that little, you know, five-year-old, 12-year-old, 17-year-old girl. So we do that stuff lifetime in a group every week i actually have i think four or five live weekly sessions in my soul medicine program i have other facilitators who i've trained so we just have this incredible ongoing community where we come together 
we do this healing, we journal, we say affirmations, we laugh, we cry, we swear, super fun. Um, so that's my soul medicine program. That website is soulmedicine.studio. I do offer private coaching as well, um, depending on which membership package you purchase. So the platinum package, um, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for clients that are enrolled in the platinum package. On my seasideshaman.com website, there is a link that says work with me. And there is a link that says one-on-one -on -one, because a lot of people, when they're first easing into getting to know me, they want to do one-on-one. -on -one. Then they mosey over into the group work. So I do past life therapy work um, when we run into phobias and recurring patterns and you know traumatic stuff where we're like, why does this keep happening? Sometimes there's a past life component. I've trained with some of the greatest. So I use a combination of hypnotherapeutic regression techniques with shamanism. And I love doing past life work. It's one of my passions. It's incredible. And it creates a lot of miracles. Um, and then I teach other shamans. So all that's on my seasideshaman.com website. And I would say, lastly, I love to talk to people on Instagram, see, you know, get to meet new people, see other people's lives, what other people are posting, share little bits of my personal life and my family on there and little bits of client sessions. I'll share like, you know, little tokens of wisdom that I, that I get from client sessions on Instagram. And that's also the seaside shaman. So for anyone that's listening, you should know the drill by now, but there could be a few new people who have never tuned in. So you're probably thinking, I didn't catch any of it. <laughs> However, I got you. Everything will be completely clickable in the show notes. So if you click on the show notes, you'll be able to see all of the websites, the Instagram, you'll be able to click on it. We know everyone is a clickable generation. You don't want to look for it. So we got you. We will make sure that you can click on it because we want this to be of help and of a service to you. Um, when we bring guests, we're not just talking amongst ourselves just to talk. It's literally to help somebody else. There will be somebody, I know without a shadow of a doubt, that is listening and says to themselves, I need to be connected. And so that is what we are here to do to connect you and to open up your eyesights to different things that you may not be aware of. So um, that is what we do. Uh, Athena, thank you so much for one, being on the podcast, sharing your story. I was really inspired um, just about your ability to just continue pushing through and doing the work. You know, a lot of times people want to make changes, but like you said, you know, they don't want to do that 25% and, and want God to take them to 75. They, they want God to just drive the bus, drop them off and drop them here. And it really, it does not work that way. You there's There's a work pattern that you have to put in in order to get something out. So I'm really inspired by that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Now, what did you think? This episode is really special to me. I really appreciate the conversation with Athena. She is wise. She knows what she's talking about. And like I say, I want, I love the part where she literally ties it all in because you know, some of y'all turn y'all ears off, literally will turn your ears off when you hear something that doesn't sound the way you was raised, right? You just, you just, you defiant. you like, absolutely not, absolutely not. But if you learn how to listen to principle, one thing that I can appreciate, I was always, my mom always said this one phrase. It was always crazy. She still, you know, she ain't dead. She here. Don't take it there. She is still much here, but she'd always would say, I don't care what name you put on the church, find a way to serve them. And one thing she'd always remember and remind me is that principle always trumps foolishness. So when folks get caught up and making sure, you know, like 30 scriptures of this and 15 songs of this and 10 words of that, she was like, listen, all that goes out the window because if you can't apply a principle and learn how to act right and treat right, you ain't doing nothing with your life.
That's one thing my mom would always say. Like I always heard her say that. She said it all the time. She still says it. <laughs> but it's obviously going to be something that sticks with me for a lifetime. So I don't care what name you put on it. I don't care what name you put on it. Find something. Find your connection and make sure you understand that every triumph that you have, everything that you do, everything that happens to you happens to you. Maybe not necessarily for a reason because, you know, y'all get caught up in hearing that because why would God want these things to happen to me? But one thing you always grow, you always grow from the things that happen to you. Your worst doesn't have to be the worst. You know, your bad doesn't have to be your worst. And when you go through things, you do come out on the other side of it. It takes a little longer sometimes when you're rebellious, you don't want to listen. You'd want to do things your way. You just want to keep giving in. Like when I was in my twenties, you know, ready to knock when you buck every other 2.3 seconds, I had to keep going through the same test. Honestly, I, you know, even though I said I was going to beat up um, Aunt Sandra from Kurt Franklin's story, honestly, if I had the same thing happen, honestly, I probably would just walk away at this point only because now I, I probably would still say something my mouth is reckless, but I wouldn't necessarily want to start fighting because who, who too old to be fighting the same raggedy folks that are going to be raggedy, right? If I had a family member that tried something because, uh, you know, people do be from the triad ministry. I don't know. I feel like at this point, I would pray at this point that I would have some growth that I would probably still say something. I would still clear them. And by clearing, that means cuss you out, take you right back to the baptism pool of, of common sense and then bring you back up for some breath. Um, I still would do that, but I don't see myself going to the point where I was in my twenties where like, I remember I was in this one argument with a family member and I lived here like in Philadelphia and they lived in the city that's almost two hours away. And I let them kindly know I got gas and opportunity. I'll secure these kids and be, be there in a hot second. You know, that's 20 year old toy, 20 year old toy. She was reckless. You got to pray for her. Um, but the 40 something year old toy, she good. She has more to lose, right? She has a family to take care of. She not fighting for everybody. And for why? Because at the end of the day, you still going to be raggedy tomorrow, raggedy next week and raggedy next year. So I try to remember that when I'm talking to people, especially folks that don't exhibit change and folks that ain't really on a journey of change. I try to remember that I try, but I still will clear you because that's just what I do. Um, but I hope that you have a good weekend. Find one activity that you love, one activity that makes you feel good. Find an activity that reju rejuvenates and renews your soul because God, life is already hard enough. Why are you going every weekend, giving yourself to everybody and can't just find one. You can't find a good book to read. You can't find a magazine that makes you smile. You can't listen to a song that makes you want to dance in your, you know, as if nobody's watching, you can't take a walk around the block. You can't take a good quality. Thank you, Lord, for a good nap. You can't have a good quality drink. You can't just find something that resonates with you and makes you feel like, thank you. I just thank you for this moment. Please find that activity and do just that. Have an amazing week. We will be back with you with conversations with Toy. And I can't wait because I'm sure we're going to have a guest. But if not, I shall be here. And this is season nine. Thank you for all the support. Continue to listen, share, all of the things because I want you to get something out of these podcasts because that's what it's here for. Have a great weekend and have a great week next week. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.